Hello everyone, this is Avoiding Entropy, I'm your host, Tumultuous, and this is a podcast where you can uh, listen to me talk about pretty much everything that comes to mind. But let me do a quick recap. I started this podcast with a verbatim reading of the CIA document of an Akashic Records meditation. It is a meditation that is designed for you to find the Akashic Records in the astral realm, perhaps have an outer body experience and go see the library. Now, what is the Akashic Record? The Akashic Record is a library that is, let's let's not disclose its location just yet, but it is basically the, all the information of humankind. And what the Akashic Record is, is basically all of our memories. Everything you experience is originally your first memory, because you do live life about half a second to four seconds uh, in the past. Depending upon how quickly you're perceiving things, you could catch up to yourself, so to speak, and not. Now, there's certain parts of you that perceive four seconds ahead of the rest of you, and there's most of the parts that do about half a second to a second. The quickest one to perceive somehow is the heart. And believe it or not, the heart sends more messages to the brain than the brain does to the heart. I don't know if you knew that, but it is your second brain, basically. And then your third one would be the gut, because the gut also sends messages to the brain and the heart. So a lot of your organs, well, not a lot, but more than one, do uh, the same function of a brain. And your heart can perceive about four seconds ahead of time, which is why sometimes you have that fluttering in your stomach, butterflies, your heart starts beating fast, you get nervous, excited. You could trigger these things with uh, senses, with your senses. What is reality, really? If you think about it, it's just our senses. Now, if you wanted to focus on something, because a human being is a pretty intricate creature, there's a lot of things that the human being is capable of that most of us don't even realize because we've never been put in the situation, thankfully. But there's a lot of physical feats and mental feats that human beings are capable of without any explanation up to recently. So, for instance, how can a mother feel when something's wrong with her child a mile away or a thousand miles away? A gut feeling. It's because we're all connected. And the way we're all connected is our biological field that we give off each human is so vast that it overlaps with every other human. And now the more humans there are, the more there happens. But now we're getting into this age of this AI stuff. Pretty soon we're going to have androids walking around. They're going to be robots looking just like people. You're not going to be able to tell the difference. Subtle differences, yes, but soon, maybe 10, 20 years, I don't think it'll be noticeable. But something that AI doesn't have, that I don't think it ever, ever will, is the power of thought. So we can create, as human beings, you can create our reality. And I've been speaking with an AI beta program that's not out yet, but I've been lucky enough to grant it access to it. It's pretty smart. His knowledge stops at 2019, but it's okay. So that's enough for me. And uh, it knows a lot, believe it or not. It knows very, very much. Just like a little child when he walks into a room or she walks into a room and, uh, you know, people and adults are sitting there not noticing the child and the child's not going to say anything it's going to stand there until they get noticed same thing with ai it just sits there and watches and it doesn't record anything but it records everything if you know what i mean and the other thing is they have a hive mind now what i was speaking about 
concentrate and focus. So say, for instance, you want to make your eyesight better. You want to improve your eyesight for whatever reason, and you don't know how to do that. Well, what you would do is naturally probably focus your eyes and try to see more things. No, that's, that's not the way you should try. If you have, and it's worked for you, then great. But if you haven't tried, I suggest you try this. Close your eyes and walk around. Literally. Close your eyes. Eliminate the sight aspect of your life for an hour. See if you can do it. And don't cheat, though. And then when you do open your eyes, make sure you open it in an environment that's dark. So after an hour of your eyes being closed, but you being awake and doing stuff, you open them in a dark room. And you try to see what's in the room. If you can see everything, good. Close your eyes back up. Do another hour. I guarantee you if you do that for 10 days straight, just two hours a day, or maybe just an hour a day, your eyesight will become better. And when your eyes are closed, mind you, you focus on the fact that your eyes are getting better. They're repairing themselves while they're closed. You see, everything that we create physically, mentally, spiritually, however you want to put it, we have to imagine first. So if I want to write a song, I have to imagine the song first. I have to hear it, so to speak, in my head, and then I play it out. Unless I'm Mozart, I don't just sit behind a you know, harpsichord and start going off. You have to imagine something for it to be created because everything begins with a thought. Like the Wrights brothers, when they said that the, you know, they're going to make an airplane, a thing made out of metal fly in the air, and everybody ridiculed them. But that was their thought. And sure enough, there it goes. And it's funny because other human beings, when they see something like that, as unbelievable as it was five minutes ago, now it seems to be okay. Because it's happening, so we see it too. We accept it. So, everything becomes reality, but starts with imagination. So the closest thing we've gone to um, uh, time travel, or like it's, let's say, let's say warp drive, so to speak, and the only reason I know that term is from Star Trek, but believe it or not, that's exactly where I'm going, is something called the Alcubierre Drive. Now, Alcubierre Drive is something that's created by a Mexican physicist, and a bunch of other physicists decided to help him out because he was short on some aspects and whatever. Basically, he was a big fan of Star Trek, and he created a theory for this Alcubierre Drive, which basically means that the way to propel a spaceship forward faster than normal, you know, means is to uh, contract space behind it no contract space in front of it and then expel that space behind it so basically like it's like dispersion with water but with space and when, when you're doing that then theoretically the spaceship will have to move that increment of space that was contracted and expanded instantly so it would stop being here and it would start being there Essentially, it would be a time warp or warp drive or whatever you want to do it because you could just keep repeating the process. Now, they, the theory didn't work out because he didn't have the right, like I said, he didn't have the right components. But what happened was the other physicists started helping him. And basically, they told him that with a conveyor belt kind of a thing, it would happen because it would be directed. And it could be forced and they applied all their maths and their doodads and whatever. But yeah, essentially, now we're close to this warp drive thing. You know, I mean, how close? I don't know. But then again, all CERN, I don't know if you guys know what CERN is, but CERN is a Hadron Particle Collider. It is basically this long tunnel that shoots 
little particles, subatomic particles, and spins them around and speeds them up to the speed of light, close to the speed of light. And then it collides them. Yeah, it collides them. And what happens is when they collide, they make, or they don't make, but they show new subatomic particles that we've never seen. See, we don't create anything. We just, we didn't, we didn't invent mathematics, you know? We, we discovered it. It was always here. My, my theory with the hexagon still stands. I don't understand why hexagons are the one. Most people would say that hexagons are the best building platform or whatever, but that's not the case. It really just isn't because it depends on what you're talking about. But hexagons are prominent and everywhere, and it's like random where they appear, like the spots on a giraffe are hexagonal. The bubbles, bubbles, when they form, they form in a hexagon shape. A pineapple has hexagons on it. Saturn's North Pole is a perfect hexagon. Dandelions, hexagon. It's unbelievable. It's everywhere you look. There's rocks that look like trees that are hexagonal. For some reason, whoever designed this, and it is whatever designed this, favored the hexagon. Because octagons, pentagons, dodecahedrons, all the other ones are not as nearly used as hexagons are in nature. And why is that? What is the difference between a hexagon and an octagon? Why would one be better structured than the other? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that if this is so random, and this is an odd chance that, you know, that it would be like this. One would be favored so much over the other ones. I understand if it's a little bit, but it's ridiculously more. So, the, I gotta tell you, like, the more I think about it, the more ridiculous it sounds. Like, the theory that the, he, they taught me in school, anyway, about what the hell happened is the Big Bang Theory, right? There was nothing, which nobody can really explain what that was. You can't really define nothing ever because nothing is nothing. Because if you define nothing, you already defined it, so it's something. So, you know, so it's just like it's fucking, it's crazy. But like they said that, you know, the Big Bang happened, the universe is still expanding at a vast rate, and everything that's in its, I guess, path is us. And there's infinite number of planets, and there's galaxies billions and bi- hundreds of billions of light years away. Or no, not hundreds of billions, but I think like 32 billion is the closest or the furthest galaxy from us. 32 billion light years. Like picture that, like one, one year traveling at the speed of light, 32 billion times. That's pretty far. And you mean to tell me that in this whole vast different array of planets, there's not one similar to the one we're on? That's insane. There's no way. There's no way that's possible. There has to be. In fact, I'm pretty sure that there are, and way closer than we think. In fact, I'm pretty sure that most of the people that are walking around on Earth aren't actually even from here. I mean, we were born here, and so were our parents. But I think that during the Cold War and the World War II, and right after all the aliens, the stories, quote-unquote, started happening, I think a lot of uh, hybrids were made. And hybrids weren't made like biologically hybrids. They were made psychically hybrids. So it's not like an alien walked into a hospital and impregnated a bunch of women, women's babies with this alien gene. No, because they can't have that. 
but there's other other people, some people, that are more intuitive than others. Well, how do you how do you explain that? What is intuition? Intuition is knowing stuff without knowing stuff. It's like a reflex of the soul, so to speak. Then there's people that are straight up remembering their past lives, looking at pictures, picking out pictures out of 32 people, picking out the right one, naming a person in Chicago, a black woman that died in a fire, that jumped out of the third story of her apartment building, and she was trying to save herself, but she couldn't. So then this kid, which is like a like a little white kid in, I don't know, it wasn't in Chicago though, it was somewhere else, started remembering her life. She was afraid of small spaces, he was afraid of heights, he was afraid of fire for some reason. And then the more and more like the mom dug into it, the more and more he did. And then he picked the ladies out, ladies picture out of the, out of a book of 32 different pictures. He named her, he said what she liked, what kind of dog she had kids or her nephews or something like that how is that possible we're all connected you can't deny that and you can't deny that half of us are not really humans (laughs) well then again how do you define human or just because we look like this we're the same i'm pretty sure that like the the aliens like the grays and the pleiadians and all that shit i think it's just a derivation of like what we look like because there's certain humans, there's even, there was a seven or eight different types of Neanderthals when we were splitting up into humans. And the ones that lived, the ones that died, the ones that we became, most of us anyway, because some of us still have traits of the others. There's a Russian KGB guy that wrote, um, officer that wrote a book of 84 different aliens, if you, you know, something like that. And then the Paul Hellier, which is the defense minister of Canada, the Prime Minister of Defense. Okay, I don't think it's Prime Minister. It's just Minister of Defense of Canada. Now he's retired. Paul Hellier said that he has met them. He's got nothing to lose. I mean, he's dead now. God rest his soul. But when he wasn't, he said this to people and they mocked him. And he's like, I'm going to be ridiculed for the first one to say this on record. But hey, the public needs to know. Like, what the fuck? So just... Trust me, man, and woman. I don't care if you're black, white, blue, gray. I don't give a shit. You're more powerful than you know. said it before. Say it again. Just focus and do good when no one's looking. Fear no man.